Right. Good morning. I uh, said it first service and uh, say it again. Um, so thankful, so impressed with uh, what Mark does and everybody who serves with him in that ministry. And every year the stories of uh, transformation are, are amazing to hear. Um, really so much connected to what we've been talking about the last, uh, last few weeks. Maybe as I, I begin here, a little offline uh, FYI, uh, uh, my flu shot didn't work this year. Uh, and so I finally gave in Wednesday and went into the doctor and said, give me everything you got. And uh, so I've got like four different medicines I'm taking. And it's been a while since I've actually taken any medicine. And you, you know the thing you should never do is get home and then read all the side effects. Uh, all the way from dry mouth, which I have a huge dry mouth this morning, uh, or, or uh, your bones starting to crack. Um, and I haven't noticed that yet. But, um, or, or, you know, dizziness, uh, or you're going to fall asleep, or, or you're, you become delusional. Um, and that's always a little questionable. But, but anyway, um, um, yeah, so bear with me. Everybody was really kind to me first service. And uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be drinking more water than normal, if you don't mind. I'm going to have a drink right now before we start. Uh, I, I really am grateful for your response to the set of sermons uh, that we did on sharing our faith. And um, I don't think I've ever had quite the response that I had uh, with these three sermons. And I don't know if it's because... Instead of just doing one sermon on this subject, that I did three, giving it enough time, really, to let it sink in. And I mean, it's a big subject. There's a lot to absorb. And so that might be that it was that I did three sermons, or it might be that Kyle Cheatham was up here with me, and, and uh, that added so much to it. So, uh, but both, I'm, I'm, whatever the reason, I'm really grateful for your response. And if you missed uh, any of the, the last three Sundays, they're online and I really urge you, and don't miss them, you know, listen to them. Uh, because really, we, we did what, what Scripture tells us to do. Peter, uh, in, in uh, his first letter in the third chapter, in verse 15, said this. He said, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. And, and then he gave us an understanding, well, what, what aspect is he talking about here? And, and this is what he said. This is the way we do it. He said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for uh, to who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, and so that's what we're doing for those three weeks is helping us to be more prepared to explain our faith to other people. Now we're beginning a series in Romans today that's very much connected to the three sermons that that I just completed, and here's why. As good as it was that we did three weeks rather than one. I, I was still concerned that even three weeks was too short a time to really make this stick for all of us. And I know the reality is that there's, there's a lot to absorb in what Kyle and I talked about, even in three Sundays, and just a lot. I mean, you, you could, I wish in, when I did something like this, there could be time for you to ask questions and be able to, to interact on it, because I know it just a uh, lot, lot there. And, and, and not only is that true, but all of our lives are so full 
that as challenging as it is to understand and remember what was said those three weeks, it's equally challenging to do anything with it, if not more challenging. You know, I mean, life moves, moves so fast, we have so much that grabs our attention, that as motivated or inspired that we might be for the moment to have those conversations with other people in our sphere of influence about our faith, it can, it can get lost in the stuff of life. Isn't that right? I mean, life just goes so fast, and, and we could just, you know, before we know it, time passes, and we don't have those conversations. So what I'd like to do in this series in Romans, and I, I feel it really worked after, after, what, after first service and the response, is what I'd like to do is keep this front and center, what we've been talking about these last three weeks. And I, I want to keep building on what we learned these last, through, these last three Sundays. And, and, and really, as I, as I look at this series in Romans, I see a double win in this. Not, not only are we going to maximize the three sermons that we just finished, but we're going to take our understanding of Romans to another level. See, see, I'm convinced that it's one thing to study Scripture for ourselves, okay? But if, if, if we got in front of ourselves the challenge of how we're going to use it, how we're going to use it to explain our faith to another person, it, 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 it's, it just does something to our to our, uh, you know, our, how, how well we listen, how, how you know, if, if we start applying it right away and we, we start using it in our daily lives, we're going to remember it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to mean that much more to us. And I mean, I'll be honest with you. One of the things that concerns me uh, for, uh, for, for Christians is if we're in multiple Bible studies, you know, but we're never talking about our faith in Jesus Christ to other people. To me, it's like, it's like, you know, eating a lot of food but never exercising. Yeah? You just get out of shape. It doesn't really do you any good. So last Sunday, uh, Kyle drew this picture for us. And what I'd like, I'd like it to be is, is, is something that I like to bring in front of us throughout this series in Romans. And I think this is a, is a good picture of, of how this can work for us in sharing our faith with other people. All of us have our sphere of influence, people we're in relationship with on a, on a consistent basis. And the, 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 the desire we should have for all of these people is to ultimately be able to have a conversation with them about God's story, which is the gospel, okay? Which is really what all of Scripture is, is God's story. And so a part of that and is, is the whole thing of, of telling our story, our own story. So I'm just going to write that in and add that in here. Uh, telling your story, okay? And I'm, we're going to come to both of these here in a little bit. And so what Kyle and I did, we talked about five things that are basic to sharing our faith in Jesus Christ. We talk about in, investing time with people in our sphere of influence, who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and then praying for these people. And then the third thing is that we're in Scripture on, on a consistent uh, daily basis to, to fuel our love for people, help us love God and love people more, but also to equip us in being able to explain our faith to other people. So that's, that's what we're doing with the book of Romans. It's not just for us. It's for us to be able to talk to other people about our faith. And, and then the other one then we talked about is, is telling your story, me telling my story, you telling your story, and then ultimately being able to tell God's story. Now, here, 
what I discovered, and it was so much fun, is how well our story and God's story fits with what Paul wrote in the first 17 verses of the book of Romans. And that's basically what I'd like us to see today. Now, telling your own story, what we're talking about here is, and I don't know if you remember, we had the, and I, could, I, I think I could just pull this over, I'm going to use this in a bit for something else. But remember we talked about a person's view of God and their view of themselves before they came into a relationship with Christ, and then how their view of, of, of God changed and how their view of themselves changed afterwards. It's kind of like what Mark talked about a few minutes ago about the kids at camp where they described themselves at the very beginning and how they saw themselves. It all had to do with how they viewed God, really. And then after they were at camp, the change in them, and they had that chalkboard they could take home with them, how, how, how you know, their view of themselves changed. So th that's, that's what we're talking about, all right? Now, um, the challenge we gave you was to do this in 100 words or less, to, to write your own story. And uh, Kyle was right. I mean, he said it just blessed both of us big time and still does to be able to read all the stories that, that were sent in. And I'd just, like just like to read one of those stories for you this morning that I, I just think was great, all right? So this person writes, before I began a relationship with Jesus, I didn't believe God existed. My parents divorced when I was two years old, so I never really knew my real dad. My mom was in and out of relationships for most of my childhood and had a lot of her own issues. And so I felt very alone for most of my life. There, there wouldn't be anyone for me to turn to or count on, no one in my corner when I needed them. The two words I would use to describe that time are on me. It was on me to make a way in life, and I tried to be as perfect as I could in academics and sports and relationships. Any trouble we had at home, I felt, I felt like was also on me. Yet I, I wanted so desperately for those issues to never be about me. When I connected with Jesus, I realized that God was always with me and would never leave me. Life wasn't on me. God cared for me and would take care of me. I didn't have to be perfect for him to accept me. And he didn't love me based on my performance. He loved me because he loved me, and he always would. And it's just great. Now, that's, that's what we're talking about when we say to, to write our, our own story. So if you haven't written your story yet, I, I really encourage you to. And, and don't, don't underestimate the impact of your story, the impact it can have on other people's lives. I mean, you might, you might say to yourself, well, I don't have much of a story. And I would just say, I bet you do if you just spend time thinking about it and writing it down. And, and, and God will give you opportunities to share your story with other people. And, and when you do, you could share your story with somebody, and it could bring them from this point to this point, you know, just a little bit closer to being willing to hear God's story or to hear the gospel, all right? Now, one of the things that's fun and discovery for me is how the Apostle Paul had his own story. And that's really what's so remarkable about the first five words in the first chapter of the book of Romans, what Paul wrote, is something that he would have written at a point in his life. And so he began this book, the book of Romans, which is a brilliant apologetic of the Christian faith. He began it by saying, 
describing himself this way. He said, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. There's a time he would never have written that. Instead, of it, he, would, he would have written this. He would have said, Paul, an enemy of Christ Jesus. See, there, there was a time when Paul hated Jesus Christ and everybody who followed him. I, in fact, Stephen, in, 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 in the book of Acts, in the eighth chapter, was the first martyr for the Christian faith, first person who gave his life. And you know who was behind it, who made it happen? Paul. In fact, Luke, Luke gave this description, uh, two descriptions of, of Paul, uh, who his name was Saul at one point, and he changed it to Paul after he, he followed Christ. Uh, uh, Luke wrote this in chapter 8, Saul began to destroy the church. Does that sound like a great guy? Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. And then from chapter 9, the first verse, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Murderous threats. Well, what, all you have to do is read the ninth chapter book of Acts, and you'll see how everything changed for Paul when he met the risen Christ, when he actually met Jesus Christ alive. And, and, and here's where his story becomes so powerful. It's, it's, it's one that you and I can use in sharing the gospel with another person to help them understand that our faith isn't based on a wish. Well, I, I, I hope it's true. I wish it's true. It's based on the truth. It's based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so what we could do with Paul's life is... Uh, we, we could take these same four boxes, except we have the uh, view of God and view of, of self, but we could just take this one with Paul, his view of Jesus, all right? And, and here, here's the change, change for him. He, he went from seeing Jesus Christ as a, as a liar, okay, and a deceiver. That's what he thought of him. He thought Jesus Christ was just another guy out there trying to get a lot of people to follow him. And, and he lied. He said he was the son of God to get people to do that. And, and then Paul, as he saw himself before he met Christ, before he actually saw Christ alive, he saw himself as a persecutor. Okay? And he was proud of it. He was proud he was a persecutor. He, he thought he was doing what God wanted him to do. And then he met the risen Christ. He met Jesus Christ. And after, after that, he saw, his view of Jesus changed to this. He saw him as the son of God. He saw him as his savior. And he saw him as his Lord. And that's why he said, I'm, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. In fact, the, the, the actual Greek word is, is even stronger than that. He was saying, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is my Lord and, and my master. And then his view of himself then would be that he saw himself as a servant or a slave. Okay? Now, that's exactly how Paul begins the book of Romans. And he explains why there's been this change in him, and it's the resurrection. So let, let's, let's see what he writes, all right? In fact, let me first get another drink. Okay, Romans 1, verse 1, he begins. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Okay, there he's saying it right there, I'm a servant I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. My, my whole calling has changed. I've gone from being somebody who persecutes Christian to somebody who, who, who's giving his life to telling people the best good news anybody could hear, the gospel. All right? And then he goes on and he says, this is what it is. Verse 2. The gospel 
God promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. And then these final words he wrote, don't miss the impact of this. I mean, the significance of Paul to say this, Jesus Christ our Lord. It's huge for him. Uh, you know, one of the things you pick up from these verses is that it, it talks that, it, it says that the gospel was promised beforehand through the prophets. And one of the things to understand about the Bible, all of the Bible, is it's really God's story. It's God's story about what's wrong with the human race. It's God's story about what God does to make things right and then how it all ends. And the main character of the Bible is Jesus Christ. Okay? So that, in, in fact, if, a whole other thing that you could point somebody to are all the prophecies in the Old Testament that specifically tell about the birth of God's Son, Jesus Christ. So the thing to understand about Jesus, as Paul points out, is his humanity, that he became one with us. He was a descendant of David, and then he talked about his resurrection, the power of his resurrection. All right? Now, um, I, you know, I think it's just so important to emphasize this so we don't forget this. Without the resurrection, there would be no reason for any one of us to follow Jesus Christ. It, it was the resurrection that took Paul from being way over here, absolutely hating Christianity, to going way over here to becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. And it happened all in one day because he met Christ. I mean, it was, read Acts chapter 9 if you've never read it before. It's just, it's a fun chapter, okay? Paul, Paul made this statement in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Hey, don't, don't miss this, everybody. The, the resurrection is the most important thing to keep in mind when you're talking with another person about your faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, somebody said this to me after first service, and I think he's so right, you know. He said, one of the things that makes us hesitant to talk to other people about our faith is we're afraid of all the questions that we might be asked, you know. Uh, we're afraid of what people might say. You know, look, look at some of the things that Christians have done in the past that were so wrong. And, and, and one of the things that, that you know you need, you feel, you have, you know, be, uh, have the freedom to be able to say, you know, I don't know about that. I can't answer that question. But bring them back to what you do know. Talk about Jesus Christ and talk about his resurrection. And, and not only was it true that you had, you know, you could always take him and point him to a man like Paul, who absolutely hated Christianity, persecuted Christians, and then he became someone who was willing to be imprisoned, to be beat up, and to die for his faith in Christ. And there's only one thing that would change a man like that, and that's to see the resurrected Jesus Christ. And what was true for Paul was true for each one of the, the, uh, the 11 disciples. Not Judas, because he betrayed Christ, but the other 11 disciples who, who, when Christ was being crucified, what did they do? They hid. But after they saw him resurrected, man, they were on the streets telling people about Jesus Christ, and in the end, they all gave their lives for him. So that's a powerful apologetic that we have for the Christian faith, okay? So... Then Paul gets into uh, writing about God's story, the gospel. 
And he does this in verse 16 and 17. And I, I just like to, in these ne next two, few minutes, unpack these two verses for you. And, and I apologize for my, my voice today. Okay, let's look at this. Uh, I, I just love this because in a few words they explain the gospel. And what they do, first of all, is they show us what distinguish, distinguishes Christianity from every other religion in the world. I don't know if you've thought about that or not. Every other religion. This is what's distinct about Christianity. Which, if you're having a conversation with another person, is so important uh, for them to understand, okay? And he, so here's what Paul said in verse 16, which is the key verse for this series. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the, salva it, it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Now, don't miss that. Look at this. He said, it's, what he's saying is, it's, it's not the power of you. It's not the power of me. It's the power of God. It's all about the power of God. You see, the gospel is not a good advice about what you and I must do to have salvation. The gospel is good news telling you what's already been done for you so that you can have salvation. Kyle and I talked about this uh, last Sunday. It's a difference between do and done. Uh, do are, is, is, all the, is, is religion. It's, it's what all the other religions in the world teach. They, it's, what, it's what you and I must do in order to have eternal life, in order to have salvation. And, and it's, it's, you, you always live with this, this sense of uncertainty of, I hope I, I hope I did enough. I hope I'm doing enough. I hope I'm doing enough good. I hope I'm, I'm, I'm not doing enough bad stuff. You know, you live in that constant tension. Whereas Christianity is all about what Jesus Christ has already done when he died on the cross, okay? It's so simple, the gospel message. So, and, and I've done this many times. If you, uh, let me just kind of flesh this out a little bit. If you ask somebody what, it, what they think it means to be a Christian, the average person on the street would likely say something like this. Well, you know, uh, I, I think it means you try to live like Jesus. You, uh, you, 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 try to, you try to do what's right, and you try not to do what's wrong. And, and, and they might give you some examples of what this means. And uh, whenever, somebody, whenever somebody answers that question right away, I know I've got good news for them. And so I, I ask them permission. I'll say, you know what, I think I've got some good news for you. Do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? I've done this so many times in my life. And, and I, I actually learned these questions way back in the 70s. Uh, and I went through a, a program of learning how to share your faith called Evangelism Explosion. And I've never forgotten those two questions. And I used to take people out once a week. Uh, and and we'd, we'd go visit people and, and we'd, we'd share our faith with them. And, and the two questions are this. And I'd ask permission. I could ask the question, because they're always a little bit surprising when people hear them. So the first question is, and, and we talked about this last Sunday, I'd, I'd say, do you know with certainty that you have eternal life with God in heaven? And if they said yes, if their response was yes, then, then I'd ask a second question to make sure they were basing that on the right thing. So I'd, I'd say, and, and, and I always try to 
you know, preface it the right way. I'd say, man, I, I wouldn't want this to happen to you. But let's just say something happened and you died today and you stood before God and God asked you, why should I allow you to spend eternity with me in heaven? What would you say? And I got to tell you, every time I've asked that question, you can just see this look on their faces like they're just really thinking this one through as well as they possibly can. And, 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 and so often they'll say to me, you know, well, I'd either say, God, I tried. I tried to be good enough. I tried to do what's right. Or they'll say to me, you know what? I don't know what I'd say. And then, I'd, then my response would, and I just love this. I'd say, well, you know what? Then I think I've got some really good news for you. And then I share the gospel with them. I go back, and I share God's story. And that's verse 17, okay? So here's one example of this. Verse 16 and 17 are both together. He, so in verse 17, it says, For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, there's two big words in there, righteousness and faith, the righteousness of, of God and, and our faith. Now, um, sometimes it's really helpful to understand one verse by looking at another verse of Scripture. And, and I, like to, I, I like us to understand what Paul is saying here in, in, in verse 17 by, by looking at, at another verse of Scripture because what, what verse 17 is showing us is that the gospel is more than just about God forgiving us. As wonderful as forgiveness is, the gospel, it, that's, that's not the sum total of, of what it means for us to have salvation. In fact, it's, it, forgiveness is way less than what's promised here. And, and there's a great verse about this, and it's, it's in uh, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians in the fifth chapter. In verse 21, Paul, Paul said this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, there's two parts to that verse. And so the first part is this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that God made Jesus sinful. It doesn't mean that, that, that God, God put sin in the heart of Jesus so that he became as sinful as every, any one of us. It, it, what it does mean is that, is that Jesus Christ was treated the way we deserve to be treated. He took God's judgment on himself. So that's the first half of the verse, and, and, and then there's, uh, there's the second half. And <laughs> okay. You know, I, I texted Jeff Dart this morning. I said, one of the drugs I, I'm supposed to take is a, is a steroid. Do you think it makes your mouth dry? I can't read any, can't find it anywhere. And he said, well, I don't, I don't know. And, well, it does. Okay, so anyway, here, here's the second half of the verse. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, here's the second half, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what does that mean? It, it can't mean that when you become a Christian, 
that, God, that, that you automatically became perfectly righteous in your heart, that you never sinned again, any more than it could mean that Jesus Christ became sinful on the cross. Here's, here's what it means. It means that you and I are covered with the righteousness of God. We're covered with his perfect obedience to the will of God. Let, let me show it you this way, okay? So um, uh, we talked last week that whenever I have a conversation with somebody about my faith in Jesus Christ, I talk about four different things, right? I always talk about God, and I, 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 when I talk about God, I talk about that God is holy, and I talk about that God is just, and I talk about that God is loving. Very important for people to understand those three things about God. And then I talk about us, you and me, and one of, th one of the things I always say is that we're all the same. And we're, say we're the same in that we're all sinners. Okay? Now, the thing that's true about Jesus Christ is that he's sinless. Okay? Never sinned. But more than that, not only did he not do what's wrong, he did what's right. He's, he's righteous. He's absolutely righteous in every way. He was obedient to the will of God. Now, Response is how we respond to the truth about God, the truth about us, and the truth about, about Jesus. And so the big word there is the word faith or the word believe. We believe. We believe the truth about God. We believe the truth about us, that we're sinners. We believe the truth about Jesus, that he's the son of God, that he, he's sinless, and, and that he's righteous. But here's what else we believe, and this is what, what Paul is talking about. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he took all of my sin on himself. And he bore God's justice, God's judgment for my sin. So God, God didn't just forget about being just at the cross. God remained holy and just and loving by pouring his judgment on his son for me, for each one of us. Not only did Jesus take my sin on himself, but when he died, he covered me with his righteousness, all right? Now, um, Becky and I, how, how many of you, have you watched any of the Olympics at all? It's, it's fun. Anybody? Nobody. It's a few of you. Okay. Becky and I watched a little bit, and I really enjoy watching the skiing. I just, just blows my mind. I mean, Incredible, I mean, I just think it's incredible what they can do, and there's not a chance that I could do any of it. And you might know that uh, Teg Ligeti uh, won the gold medal with a giant slalom, right? And um, I mean, just love watching this guy. It's just like, how do they do that? I'd be down before I even moved. Um, but let, let me tell you this, okay? What is true for me as skiing is true for me with living a sinless life. I've fallen. I mean, I have sinned many times. I have, I have sinned over and over again since the day I became a follower of Jesus Christ as a nine-year-old child. I, you could say it this way. I have not always stayed on my feet spiritually, right? And, and if I stood in front of you this morning and I said, you know what? I made a decision a minute ago. I decided that from this point forward, I am never going to sin again. I'm never going to sin again. Not at all, ever. And I would say to you, and you know what? Why don't you check back with me next Sunday and see how well I did this week? 
okay? Guess what? What would I tell you? I'd tell you I didn't make it. I would tell you right out of the, almost out of the gate, you know, within, within minutes going down my spiritual slopes, I fell down. But here's what, okay? This is what I love. Here's what happened to me when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, what he did for me on the cross. Way back when I was a nine-year-old child, here's what happened to me. He put his righteousness on me, his perfect righteousness. So that when, as a nine-year-old child, when I first prayed and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, God, looking on me from that point on, does not see me in my failures and my sin. He sees me covered in the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. You know what it's like? It's like Ted Ligeti giving me his gold medal. And from that point on, everyone seeing me as someone who did everything he did. But you know what? It's infinitely better. Because the one looking me at me is God himself. And the minute I believed in Jesus Christ and asked, asked God to accept me because of what Christ did for me on the cross, the very minute my sins were put on him and his righteousness was put on me, God began to delight in me as much as he will a million years from now into eternity when I'm perfect and glorious. And what's true of me is true for Every one of you who believe in Jesus Christ and trust in his death for your sin, God is delighting in you now as much as he's going to delight in you a million years into eternity. Isn't that amazing? You know, to, huh? I mean, look a little amazed, please. I mean, think about it. I mean... I, I, I think it's absolutely incredible. Remember the story I told you about from the Old Testament? About the four leper, lepers living outside of this city that was under a siege, a siege that lasted so long that the people in the city were resorting to cannibalism to stay alive. And one day those four lepers had this, this moment where they said, what are we doing we know if we go into the city, we're going to die. We know that if, if we stay here, we're going to die. They said, we've got nothing to lose. Let's go down to the camp of the enemy and see if they'll have mercy on us and give us something to eat. And those lepers went down, and on their way down, they had no idea that God, by his power, had caused this sound that sounded like an army attacking that, that, that army that was camped around that city, so that the, that army just fled. They, they took off, they left, they left everything behind. And, and so when those four lepers walked into that city, they found, or into that campsite, they found all the food they could eat. They found silver and gold and clothing they could wear. And what did they do? They ate as much as they could eat. And then they began grabbing some of the silver and gold and clothing and taking it off to hide for themselves that they could come back and get later until they had an aha moment. And they said, this isn't right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. We got to go back to the city and tell everybody else. Man, don't you, don't you agree we've got the best news anybody could hear? 
To understand is just everybody could, like those little kids at, at that camp could, could take a chalkboard and they could write on it, this is how God sees me. It's absolutely righteous and perfect because of his love. You know, Paul made four statements about himself in these 17 verses that have just really stuck with me. And I want to put them in front of us this morning as I finish. He first of all said, I am a servant of Christ Jesus. I'm a servant of Christ. I'm his slave. He's my Lord. And then he said, I'm set apart for the gospel of God. He said, he said the rest of my life, my number one calling is to bring God's good news to other people. <laughs> and then he said, and I love it. He said in, in verse 14, I, I'm obligated both to the Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. In other words, he said, I'm obligated to everybody. He said, I'm in debt to everybody. God, by his grace, has given me eternal life. He's given me his salvation and forgiveness. He said, I'm indebted to everybody to tell them the good news. And then he said, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of it because it's the power of God for the salvation of Everyone who believes. You know, sometimes I, I get concerned for some of you that you might be ashamed of the gospel, that you're holding back, that you've lived with people, you've worked with them, you've talked with them, they've been part of your life for one year or two years or three years, but you never once have shared with them God's story. And they look at you and they go, man, isn't he a good person? Isn't she a good person? But they don't know why you are who you are and why you do what you do. Sometimes I worry that we're too hesitant when we need to be so bold because we've got the greatest good news anybody could ever hear. You know, the promise of salvation and eternal life. Let's pray. Well, Father, I, I'm so grateful uh, to you for these verses. They meant a lot to me for a lot of years. And I just ask that your Holy Spirit, by your grace, will make them stick in our minds and in our hearts. And God, I pray that your Spirit would just give us so much love for people in our lives, those people by, that by your grace you put into our sphere of influence. God, help us to love them so much that we share Christ with them for your glory. Amen.